0: welcome to coach house talks first thing I'm to say is where are you anybody know in church. <laughs> all right clever clogs in church oh my goodness where are you and that's what we're going to be talking about uh today it's only going to be um short you'll be pleased to know my name is not pastor jackson uh so let's start Gani eraru anyone know what that means Funnily enough, no. I'm speaking as myself, as, there was I, three, four-year-old. Okay. Translated Gani Eraru is, Grandma, where are you? Okay. Yeah, everybody understand? Now, as a youngster, I used to spend a lot of time with Grandma and Grandad Clark. Some of you may remember these two amazing people, and they're my uh, mum's mum and dad. And they were two fantastic champions of Jesus and incredibly committed to helping others. And also, my granddad used to do lots of preaching in all kinds of places, which is why most people remember him. I also remember once um, hitting him in the face with um, a rod as he asked me to help clear uh, the drain on his um, carport. He was at one end, I was at the other. I was only about 10. Big rod, just trying to clear the leaves out and went like that, just as his head popped up the other end. You know... Anyway, let's go, so when I originally wrote this talk, uh, the week had been a very sad time for us as a family and some of our dearest of friends. Now in complete shock and without any warning, we lost Auntie Linda, the lady on the right here. Now Auntie Linda really wasn't a real auntie, but she might as well have been. She was my mum's longest and closest friend. She was the most incredible wife, mother, grandmother, mother-in-law, great-grandmother, and friend to all who met her. Our families holidayed together. We fed pigs together. That was on a holiday, one of the best ones. She even got stuck in a field with my mum. And I'll tell you that story in a minute. She's probably missed more than I, we, or any of us who knew her can probably ever express. And even though it hurts to talk about a missing, I feel led to discuss our loved ones who we are missing. So, where are you? Gani Araru. The phrase I started with, this was something I used to shout up the stairs when entering grandma and granddad's house. The door would open. Well, I wouldn't open it. The lock would be up there. But my mum would open it. I'd step in and I'd go, Gani Araru! Waiting for a response. Right? I'm sure we've all got some phrases like that. Now, this is something he used to shout up the stairs. I was desperate. I was desperate to know where she was. Desperate to know that I would see her again. Why was that? Well, because usually she'd be in the kitchen baking biscuits. Or at least getting ready to bake. Or in the garden caring for her flowers. But the voice I would hear would always come back. Here I am. The voice of my grandma. And then on me came peace. I knew I'd be seeing her. I knew she was there. I knew even looking at the mountain that was this staircase, I would see her. What about where have you gone? The story of my mum and Auntie Linda stuck in a field in the Baker and Jones family is quite a legendary tale, let me tell you, and I'm I'm kind of giggling myself as we go through it because it it was very nervous, but it was good. So let me paint the picture. Two families have gone away and stayed at a working farm in Devon, one that uh, Becca and I have been to, and it is amazing. It's a great little place. You stay in the farmhouse. You have beautiful breakfasts made by um, the farmer's wife. The farmer's actually no longer with us, um, but uh, Yvonne is just amazing. She looks after you. You're on a working farm. It's, it's awesome. And we used to walk down to the local beach by going through the, far- the farmer's fields. We trunge our way through. And we would go the way the farmer had told us. So one day, en route to the beach, me and my best mate Andrew, which was Auntie Linda's son, as kids do, we decided to walk on ahead, you know, being cocky, as you would be, jumping over a fence and walking around the outskirts of a field, everyone else following. So my dad, uh, Uncle David, Auntie Linda, my mum, uh, my sister, and Andrew's sister. It's quite a few of us. But Andrew and I quickly noticed there was a large quantity of cows taking quite an interest in us. Now, if you've ever been in a field with inquisitive cows, it's not, it's not a good, it's not good fun, if I'm honest. These things are humongous, especially when we were, I think we were 10 at the time, 10 or 11, something like that. So, as all good boys do, we stood our ground, didn't we? Yeah? No. No, we didn't. We ran back past my dad and Uncle David and my sister and uh, Andrew's sister past mum and Auntie Linda who have just, literally just got over the fence. They've struggled to get over, but they're, o- they're over. They're in the field. So he, we, we hopped back over. We were young kids, just whoop. We were straight back over, straight into safety. So did the husbands. So did the girls, my sister and her friend. Leaving my mum and Auntie Linda stuck in a field full of what felt like and it probably wasn't this many, a, a good couple of hundred cows, right? Who'd literally started as once we started running they were coming to have a look, so they were they didn't want to miss out, so they were running after us. So let's picture it. Mum and Auntie Linda, a fence. We were on this side. This actually, this to, we'll do this. They were stood this side, like that, with these cows behind them. We were stood on the fence this side, going <laughs> like that. Okay. They had a, lar- a large amount of snorting. If you've ever been near a cow, you do that a lot. I won't do it because I might snot everywhere. Um, and there were these cows. My mum and Auntie Linda getting more and more nervous, and worried. (laughs) But on our side of the fence, it was hysterically funny. The ones who were safe, the ones who were urging the others over the fence to safety, that was us. We were giggling. Now, it's a a story that will always be dear to our hearts, but I want us to see the comparison of our spiritual journeys and that of our loved ones. You see, when we see the light and follow Jesus, it's like being Andrew and I We were in the darkness, (laughs) not quite, being chased by things that weren't good for us, a hundred or so Frisians. And we saw the safety of the other side of the fence and we jumped, leaping for safety and landed in the safety of Jesus' arms. But when we jumped in the briefest of moments, we did not stop to think of our family members, our mums specifically. Thankfully, our mums did make it across as our dads, after getting some oxygen in their lungs, after also uh, giggling quite a lot, uh, decided to help them over. But what about now? What about helping our friends and families cross the spiritual fence and come onto the side that brings freedom and joy? We need to trust that God has everything in control. But that doesn't stop us from showing what God has done for us. And it doesn't stop us showing them the difference between each side of the fence. Now, we as Christians are jars. In 2 Corinthians in the Bible, it says we are jars of clay. Not many of us have paid attention to the fact that we are vessels of God. Next slide, Eli. God is within us, but it's not a sealed jar. As you can see here, it's open, He has a top, so we can share him and tell people about him and love, and love him to others. I watched something this morning. I hope I get this right. If I if I squeeze an orange juice, I'm trying to do this right. Squeeze an orange juice. What do I get? Sorry. If I squeeze an orange, what do I get? Orange juice. Right. Orange juice. If I squeeze a Christian, what do I get? Or what should I get? No. Should get Christ, right? Something that really hit. It was actually it was only this morning that I looked at that and I was like, I mean, I don't want to be squeezed necessarily. Let me think about that for a minute. But you get you get you get you get the idea. We are as as a Christian, if we're squeezed, we should out, out pouring out of us should just come Jesus. So. God is within us, but it's not a sealed jar where nothing can escape. It has a top that's open so we can share him, tell people about him, love him to others. Yes, that can make our lives harder as we need to strive to be more like Jesus day in and day out. We are somehow under the microscope of our own actions and are judged daily by the people who aren't Christians, who know that we're Christians. But brothers and sisters, let me tell you this. Take it as an opportunity to shine. To help bring God's light into the world, we need to be light to our families and friends. Jesus gave everything to his friends. His knowledge of God and his own life. Jesus is our model for friendship because he loved without limits and he makes it possible for us to live A life of friendship because we have been transformed by everything He shared with us. We all know this. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. See, sometimes we can read this as love another Christian. I don't believe that's what it's saying. Actually, it's saying love one another, whoever the other is, sinner or slightly less sinner. Black, white, tall, short, male, young, female, young, old, male, love. One of the most common verbs for love in Greek is philio. The Greek word for friend is philos, comes from the verb. In the New Testament, a friend is immediately understood as one who loves. Now, this fundamental connection between love and friendship is an essential starting point for reclaiming friendship as a resource for faith as us contemporary Christians. Friendship was an important topic in the Greek and Roman cultures in which the early church took shape and the New Testament documents were written. So let me ask you this question. Where are you? Let's get back to this as we come into land. Where are you? It's a double-sided question. On one hand, are you on the journey, having given your life to Christ? If so, share it. Share the love. Help the person over the fence. Show them Jesus in the way you act, the way you speak, the way you love. On the other hand, are you still waiting still stuck in the field with the snorting behind you and still haven't asked for help, asked for God to come into your life and set you free? If this is you, whether you believe it or not, God created you. In Psalm 139 verse 13, it says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You are the work of his hands, his own creation, and nothing you or anyone else may do can change the fact of his love for you. The ultimate demonstration and proof of God's love for you is the death of Jesus on the cross over 2,000 years ago. God's done his part. Jesus gave his own life as a punishment for our sin. We didn't deserve it. It wasn't fair. But that's how much God loves you. So now you have to decide if you want to accept the gift of forgiveness, the promise of eternal life, if you want to be free from the punishment you brought on yourself, you need to decide to surrender to God and do things his way from now on. Now, let me tell you, sometimes, even though we've been Christians for years, sometimes, we need to just reaffirm that. It's important, it's really important that we, we say to God, look, I'm sorry. I know what you've done for me. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. Because sometimes we forget it. We know the words, don't we? But sometimes it's the heart that needs to follow. So, where are you? Well, I could tell you, my auntie Linda, my grandma, my granddad, and many more fellow believers I know are on their way to heaven. Someone once told my mum, which is a good job she's not here because she would be in tears right now, um, told my mum that they had, they'd been given a vision of my granddad. Um, and they, t- they told them this um, shortly, shortly after he died and basically said, I could just see him running through a field jumping over fences. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And she's held on to that. And quite rightly so. He was, if you can have a good shiny Christian, he was probably that. So, I can tell you, my auntie, Linda, my grandma, my and many more are on their way to heaven. They jumped over the fence. They found the route. They knew where to hold their trust they gave their life to Christ and he saved them now I'm going to finish by adding just one simple word to the sentence I've said a lot today and it's this where are you going Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and at www.coachhousechurch.org.